That's a better looking younger version of me, by the way, in this picture. So if you don't like what you see here, you can look there. But I, I see a ministry update, and uh, those of you who know me, you know that uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on ministry update, because um, I'm here to share from uh, God's Word. But I, I want to start by uh, simply say a big thank you for all of you who stand alongside Hope for Israel and who are praying for us. Um, God is doing some incredible uh, work uh, through this ministry today, and He's yes, I, I, I will. I, I, I will. It's, 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 in, it's in my message. It's in my notes. Actually, that part is in my notes, Larry. Thank you. Uh, we, we will get there. Yes. So. Um, God is doing some great things today, and He's opening some new doors and some new venues in a few minutes. I'm going to be sharing with you about uh, some of them. But uh, before that, um, during this past year and uh, really the past month, um, the Lord laid on my heart to start to think about the future of the ministry. And part of the future of the ministry is a future board of our ministry, and um, we have, uh, after praying about this, our board uh, approved, and we have approached one of your own uh, to be the eighth member of our board, of the Hope for Israel board, so I want to introduce our latest uh, board member, Joshua Walters, as a part of our uh, board, <laughs> definitely our youngest, and best looking of them all. So uh, he's finally balancing the age, so I'm, I'm very, uh, very excited uh, about that. Um, in the back there is a book table, and I just want to say real quick uh, what you see, what you'll find in the book table. A year ago, I introduced the Foundation of the Faith book, and uh, the Foundation of the Faith book is a book that we wrote in the aim to reach out to Jewish people or Israeli people and to give them uh, a tangible tool or introduction to our faith. And uh, we are giving those books uh, in Hebrew and in Russian for free, uh, but we also just translated the Spanish version of our books, so you can find these books in the back. And also our latest newsletter. This newsletter I'm really excited about. We, we found that uh, during the past few years, not so many people take the newsletters. So my graphic designer and I thought, what can we do? That was a bad joke, by the way. And, and uh, we decided to put a, a, a picture of President Trump and of Prime Minister Netanyahu. So if you have a picture of these two, it's probably interesting and worth reading. But uh, <laughs> the, the reason why we have uh, this newsletter, it speaks about the chaos in Israel. And those of you who are unaware, uh, Israel is in a present state of a chaos right now. Uh, our, uh, we have a, a non-functional government right now, and uh, we are going through another election that are coming up in September, and we really need your prayers. So this newsletter is devoted for that reality, and it will also give you some great tools in how to pray for us. Um, also inside, if you are 20 years and below, and you are here, you will know what I'm talking about. But there is scan to find out more about Hope for Israel. So it's only 20 years and below that know what it means to scan a newsletter. But if you put your phone, you can scan it, and that will take you directly to our website. Because God is doing, as I mentioned, some great things. And one of them is our project that is called Israel Advocacy. As you know, Israel today, in the world media, is putting down and always talked about in a negative way. And about a year and a half ago, a good friend of mine and I started the Israel Advocacy Project, which every month we produce another video that will be tools for you to fight the BDS and the anti-Israel movement. We can produce the videos, 
We can do all the hard work. All you have to do is the easy work just by sharing those videos. Our latest video, and I highly recommend to you to go to our social media or to our website to see our latest video. It speaks about the wall, the barrier, and, and why Israel built that barrier. Okay, so it's a great video to share. You may get some uh, heated feedback for some of uh, those who truly love us and don't really like what we do, but uh, it's a great uh, tool for you to be able to give uh, to others and to share with others. Another reason that I'm very excited about this project is that I see this project as a fulfillment of God's call for Israel. And in Genesis 12, we all know these verses. Oftentimes, when we, when we talk about Israel and about the importance of blessing Israel, we use these verses. And I truly believe in the concept that you will be blessed if you bless Israel, but you will be blessed if you bless Israel for the right purposes. Not because of what you'll get out of it, because the kingdom of God is not Las Vegas for gambling. And this is not a joke. This is a reality. Some people truly believe that if they invest in Israel, they'll get something out of it. But we do what we do because we want to honor God. My dear brothers and sisters, we are different as believers from all the people on the, of this earth, and we are different from all religions of this world because we are not religious people. We don't do what we do because of what we will get. We do what we do because of what we got. And there is a big difference here. It's not about what I'm going to get. I already got everything I don't deserve. By His grace. And that's my motivation today, to honor Him. But with regard to Israel, it says, now, the Lord says to Abraham, go from your country and your household to, to your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing So really, the main call is that through Abraham and, and his seed afterward, he, God himself, will bless all the nations. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And my dear brothers and sisters, there is a reality today that the nations of this earth are being blessed on a daily basis because of Israel and what Israelis are doing to bring blessing to the nations. And I want to show you one of these great organizations now that is doing tremendous work around the world. Let's see this next first video, please. Shalom. It's Moran Rosenblatt with Hope for Israel. Not long ago, we introduced you to Heroes for Life, an Israeli organization that puts the traditional post-military trip into good use. Today, we're here in Uganda to get an inside look into the amazing work they do. Let's go. Heroes for Life work all over the world, sending volunteer groups to various destinations. This year, the organization opened three new destinations. One of them is here in Uganda. Today, we're meeting with Mark the principal who worked closely with our volunteers just a few weeks ago. Hello. Hello. Brother Mark. It's so good to see you. Indeed, it is a pleasure meeting you. How are you? Thank you so much. I heard that you had here an amazing group of young Israelis from Heroes for Life that came to visit your school and to be a blessing here. Can you please tell me a little bit about this amazing group and what they have done here? Heroes for Life, very wonderful organization. They bless those kids, especially having practical lessons with the children, mathematical concepts, English, and other subjects. After that, they provided us with very many playing materials, like balls, like papers, and so on. We love you, Israel. We love Heroes for Life. 
over and over. They really uh, made our school to be very proud of that team that came to Uganda from the organization Heroes for Life. The volunteers have already moved on, but they'll be back every year. The effect they have had on the community can still be seen around us. Freshly painted schools and homes, valuable lessons are still on children's minds and big anticipation for next year's group to arrive. It's truly inspiring that so many Israelis take time out of their vacations to lend a helping hand to the communities they are guesting. Teaching, cleaning, fixing, painting, it's truly a labor of love. Did you know? So God is doing amazing work around the world today through organizations like Heroes for Life. Heroes for Life, when we started to work with them, they were in three countries. And what we do is that we went, we did the story, we provided for them media content, and uh, because of that, they have more volunteers, and today they are able to reach out to 15 countries. And every year they are sending these crews to the same places to be a blessing. And, and it's such an honor for us uh, to partake in this uh, great uh, project. And I'm also very blessed to tell you that uh, we are in the midst right now of uh, raising funds for the first Hope for Israel project outside of Israel as a fulfillment of this prophecy, of this word and promise to Abraham. We're going to build a school in Uganda uh, in an area that they don't have any schools. And uh, we are working hard right now to bring that uh, blessing. So um, I want to thank you again for uh, investing in us that you are allowing us to do all this work and stand behind the organizations and being a blessing uh, to this earth. But as I said, I, I, I came today because I want to share from God's word. And as I was reading the parasha of this week and I was thinking about the the message that I want to share, I was amazed at how they connect together. And then I come here and I'm standing on the side and uh, seeing from all the verses, Larry, from all the verses. Today we're choosing exactly the same verses that I have here. What a coincidence, right? A Holy Spirit coincidence that maybe is trying to tell us something. But as you know, we started a new book, Deuteronomy, Dvarim. The book of Deuteronomy is an amazing book. I believe that it's such an important book because through it and in it, God is reminding us of so many of the things that he told us before. I believe that there are two main reasons for these reminders. The first one, we are forgetful people. So therefore, we are in need of reminders. And that is a reality. We forget. So God is constantly reminding us. And the second one is that God is putting some strong emphasis in that book as he's reminding us of the things that are important for him. So in this week we read, and, and I'll just remind you of that, from Deuteronomy 1, verses 16 and 18. Then I charge your judges at that time, saying, Here are the cases between your fellow countrymen, and judge righteously between a man and his fellow countrymen, or the alien who is with him. Not just between the man just between the Israelites, but even the strangers, we are to judge righteously. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not fear men, for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, you should bring to me, and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that time all the things that you should do. 
And I said that we're in the ministry of reminders because that's a great reminder of what we learned or we read before in Leviticus 19.15 that it says, and you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor nor defer to the great, but you are to judge your neighbor fairly. What an amazing command that God has given us. And while these verses speak specifically to the leaders and to the judges, I believe that the issue of placing judgment on others is that the issue that we all ought to learn and that we all struggle from on a daily basis. Simply because we let our eyes and we let our minds judge. And we forget the very important principle that comes out of Romans 14, 12, that each of us will have to give an account of himself to God. Now, we all fall in that category. You know, I, um, on this trip here in the U.S., I, um, this is my seventh state. Okay, I've been traveling all around, and I'm not saying this right now so you look up to me. Okay, but it's just, I've been traveling all around. I've seen all the different cultures. I've been in uh, the state of Texas. I've been in Louisiana, Florida, North Carolina. I discovered there is a place called West Virginia, <laughs> which is different than Virginia. Then I went to Ohio, so I will have a little bit of culture shock, and I came here to California. But naturally, I did not drive all these states. I took flights a lot. And I was flying, and, and, I, and I get into a line before one of the flights, and, you know, you, you stand in line. And in Israel, you are used to people jumping in and pushing, right? But, but here we are in America. There's, there should be some mannerism, or there used to be some mannerism here in, in America. And, and suddenly this gentleman jumps in front of me. Now, my Israeli in me wanted to go over there and to confront him. But then I looked. He was a pretty big man. He had a beard. He had golden necklace, pretty big, and he had tattoos all over his arms. So something in me said, you may not want to mess around with this guy. <laughs> so I, I, I stood quietly, but in my heart there was some judgment and some bitterness. Well, we get on the airplane, and God has a sense of humor. Guess what? Who is sitting next to me? <laughs> so now what? Well, Lord, if you want me to talk to him, open the door. And as I'm done praying this in my heart, the guy is looking at me. And we didn't start talking right away. But what I do is, is that I, I took my computer and I was working on some PowerPoint that uh, had a lot of updates from Israel. And he was looking into a movie, and I was looking at what he's looking at, and, and guess what? He was looking at what I'm doing. <laughs> and we started to talk, finding out that this man is an ex-Marine who served in Afghanistan, who suffered from a serious post-traumatic stress, that all of the tattoos on his arms telling his story, that was his way to tell the story of what happened in his life. Now I find myself with an amazing opportunity to share with him. After losing friends during my service in the army, I have some experience in that. So we have a common ground to, to talk and for me to minister to him. And he asked me what I'm doing, and part of what I said, that I'm teaching the Bible, and when I said I'm teaching the Bible, it became all defensive. And right away, he, he said, uh, I'm a believer, but, but I don't like to go to the congregation, because every time I go to the congregation, everyone judge me based on my looks. 
Ouch. Ouch. What an ouch moment in my heart that was, that I was judging this man based on his looks. A man that, that sacrificed his life for the protection of the same people that now are judging him based on his looks. Of a greater reality with a body of believers that, that instead of welcoming those who are lost, we're kind of like, ah. Oh. And instead of us going to them, or when we don't go to them, you know what God does. He will bring them to us. I think I, I shared this once here at, at Shuva, but uh, years ago I was speaking in uh, Orlando, and, and when I was done, uh, there was time for Q&A, and, and one of, a sweet lady was, was really freaking out, and she said, I have a question, and she said, I really don't know what to do. And, and I said, uh, what happened? She said, ah, my neighborhood is filling up with Muslims, and I don't know what to do. So I looked at her and I said, you know why your neighborhood is filling up with Muslims? She said, no, I'm freaking out. I said, because you're so afraid to go into their hood, so God is bringing them into your neighborhood to see if you're going to reach out to them. Because greater is he who is in us than anyone who is in the world. And if we truly believe the word of God, we are to fear him more than we fear man. Again, I find it ironic that it was a quote from James, from Yaakov. In James 2, verses 1 and 4. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Yeshua the Messiah with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay more special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinction among your, yourself? I urge all of us to search our hearts and to think about that which God has called us for and to. You know, the next year, that's for you, Larry. I told you it's in my notes. Next year, Hope for Israel is celebrating our 20th year anniversary, which is amazing. Many of you know us for that long, okay? And I kind of feel old when I say that, okay? 20 years since God has established this ministry. And naturally, because it's been 20 years, and I, a kind of preparation for next year, I have a lot of time to, to reflect, to, to think about God, to think about God's call on my life. And, and I was reflecting upon His amazing love and grace that He counted me worthy to reveal is love to this earth. And as I was reflecting upon the great privilege to be part of his plan to reveal his love to this earth, a question came to my heart that I want to raise to each one of us, and it's connected to everything I shared so far. Is there anything that I do, that I say, or think that re prevents God from revealing His love to this earth. Is there anything? 
And my dear brothers and sisters, if there is something, I want to encourage us to repent of it now. We need to start to be real with the Father. You know, I, I said it in, in some congregations, and I want to say it here because I, I saw that, that God is really speaking to people. But one of the areas that we are preventing God for revealing his love to the people is an area of unforgiveness. When we don't forgive someone, their trespasses against us, we are preventing the Father from revealing his love to those people. And tragically enough, when we do that, we are preventing the Father from revealing His love for us and to bring, from bringing healing to us because we all bitterness. He forgave us for everything. Who are we not to forgive others? Their trespasses against us. You know, the Father's amazing love for you and I has been displayed from the creation of the world. And since today we are in this method of reminders, okay, Deuteronomy, I, wa I want to remind us of some things that I've shared last year that I believe that are so valid for us for today, but I want to bring it from a different point of view. In the book of Bereshit, in the book of beginnings, we see a perfect creation. Six times it says, and God saw that it was good. And on the seventh time, and God saw all that he has created or did, and it was really good. God created the world by speaking through his word, and it happened. He spoke, and it came to existence. But as you continue, you see the difference between the creation of the world and the creation of man. God spoke the world to existence, but with man he did something else. And Genesis or Bereshit 2.7 give us an amazing description of that. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nose the breath of life. And man became a living being. So, the world is spoke to existence, but with us it did something else. He breathed life into us. He did something very intimate for you and I. He breathed life into us. God did not create us to use you, to use us. but for us to have relationship with him and for him to have relationship with us. That's why he created us as men. He breathed life into us. Now, think about it and let it digest for a moment. God breathed life into me, into you. The creator of the world cares enough about us that he breathed life into us. From the time of creation, God created us for relationship. You know, one of the best ways to, to confirm it is by the day that we are celebrating today, the Shabbat. After the peak of his creation, us, men, I know it's hard to believe. You know, Larry, I, 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 was, uh, I was driving from North Carolina to West Virginia. Okay, and I'll put the people aside for a moment. Oh, I, I'm, I'm being recorded, right, and videoed. Okay, so with the people, okay, I get in trouble. I got an elbow from my wife. When you travel there and you go through Virginia, it's a beautiful state. You, you drive and 
everything is green and you see mountains and you see God's creation. All that I say, wow, yet with all of that beauty, God cares about me more than he cares about all of his creation. After he created man, he took a day because he needed to sleep, right? He needed to rest. He was too, too tired. No. God stopped from all of his creation in order to spend time with us and in order for us to spend time with him. God created us for relationship. Yet, we find the reality. We find a reality that in spite of that fact that God created us for relationship, from the beginning, we as men, we make bad choices. We read in Genesis 2, verses 8 and 9, about the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of death. Sorry, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge and good and evil, which is the tree of death. Where it says, And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And jumping to verses 15 and 17, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any of the tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you will eat from it, you will surely die. And even when I read this, I, I always am amazed that from the beginning, created us from, for relationship, and he gave us freedom to obey him. You can do whatever you want. Just one thing don't touch. Isn't it true for us? He's given us the freedom to worship him, to love him, yet we choose the other thing. And the byproduct of disobedience to God is death. Sin equals death. In Genesis 3, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than all, any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any of the tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. Kind of interesting. God said something very specific, and the woman already brought the first religion into this earth. God's words are easy. They are simple for us to obey, yet we are kind of putting more and more yoke, the yoke of religions that are pressing us down. And the serpent said to the woman, you, shall, you surely shall not die. You know, it's okay. Just touch it a little bit. Just play with it. It's fine. It's not so bad for you. My dear brothers and sisters, those things that we just touch and we just play, even our thoughts are really bad for us because they are the ones that are turning into sin. And sin means separation from God. But Moran, Yeshua died for us, right? He died to cover all of our sins. Do we really understand that? If we will truly understand that he died for our sins, how much more we ought to live our lives in such a way that will be sinless because we want to honor God because we understand what he did for us in the past.
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and then she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. So what they did, they, they saw a fig leaves together to make themselves covering. Suddenly they realized that they were naked. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? He's telling to some of us, Where are you? I know where you are. I see what you do. You can't hide. You can put on a nice jacket and a nice suit and makeup and put on a show, but I know where you are. I know exactly what it is that you are doing. And I believe God is speaking to someone right now, right here. He knows exactly where you are. Have you eaten from the tree which I've commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gave to me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. Amazing. From the beginning, man, instead of taking responsibility, blame God. We, I know we put a lot of focus a lot of time about the woman part, but it's not about the woman part. Adam was blaming God, the woman that you gave me. It's because the woman that you, it's because you put that. And how many of us will, will say to him, well, if you just don't put the temptation in front of us. But from the creation of the world, while man was trying to cover their shame with their own power, God the Father showed us and gave us a solution for sin. He says in Genesis 3.8, And the Lord God made the garment of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. I'm amazed I'm amazed and, and I'm praying and I echo my sister's prayer that one day I, I really pray that our people will see the truth. That from the time of creation, from the first book of the Bible, the Father already integrated to us a way to return to Him. The first sacrifice is found in the first three chapters of the Bible. When God takes skin of an animal, blood sacrifice, and that's what he clothes them with. And note that the first sacrifice was provided by God. And that's a very important concept for us to understand. That from the beginning, the first sacrifice was provided by God which points out to even a greater sacrifice that the Father will provide for us in the future. Now, I know I read to you from Genesis 12, and, and while in that promise from Genesis 12, we find an indication that, that God will bless the world through the people called Israel, we understand that that blessing is a temporary blessing. There is a greater blessing that is found and promised in Genesis 12. Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, was referring to this promise when he said in Galatians 3.16, Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seeds. And he does not say, and to your seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one, and to your seed, that is the Messiah. Through God's promises to Abraham, we can clearly see that it's pointed out to the Messiah. Through his promises, we can find an evidence 
of God's endless love for us, in that, that he provided for us a way to return to him through the seed of the blessing. I'm, a I'm amazed at the fact that you and I can be here today. As Jews, and I know that there are some Gentiles here, right, Rabbi? Worshipping the same Messiah. I'm amazed at the fact that God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Take a minute right now to reflect upon the fact that you and I are part of God's amazing plan to reveal his amazing love to this world. And in order to wake some of you up, you have to stand here to see those who of you are sleeping or maybe just really in deep meditation upon what I'm saying. <laughs> Look at your neighbor for a moment and tell them you are a reflection of God's amazing love to this world. I like what Larry just did. He, he just looked at his, his neighbor and he said that. I, I was checking that. You are a reflection of God's amazing love to this world. You are a, a reflection. You are part of his plan. Next time you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, remember that you are a reflection of God's amazing love, that you are part of his plan to reveal his amazing love to this world. And before you, you get stuck on, on just the privilege, remember that with that comes a great amount of responsibility. Again, the question, am I a reflection Am I allowing him to reveal his love to this world? With a great privilege come an immense amount of responsibility. Just as a form of reminder for all of us, for the love of Messiah controls, this, controls us. Evan concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. When we said yes to him, we said no to ourselves. Once we said yes to him, our life are no longer about us, but about he who died and rose again on our behalf. Yeshua himself, when he was here, he set us an example. He was sent by the Father to reconcile you and I back to the Father. Yeshua did not come here to fulfill his own will, but he came here to do the Father's will. He set up an example for us in what to do. Are we going to start to be a reflection of the Father's love for this world? Are we going to stop judging the world? Are we going to stop pointing fingers at others and start to point the finger at ourselves? Are we going to stop complaining all the time and, and, and say, and, and right now, I, please hear my heart. I appreciate that, that we pray, at least pray, for the tragic events that are taking place in the United States as of late, with all the mass shootings and all of that. But way too many of us just look at this as a tragic event instead of a wake-up call. We have an important role here on this earth, and that is to allow the Father to shine his light in and through our lives, that those 
who are in darkness will come to see the light and to bring his light and his love into the darkness. To stop sitting in our congregations and, and hope that maybe someone on the way to their synagogue will stop here. To stop looking down at people that may make bad choices and to remember that we are here not because we are so great or so smart or so beautiful, but we are here because of God's grace and His grace alone. And that He did not bring us from darkness to light in order for us to say, we are saved. We need to stop making it about ourselves. He brought us from darkness to light that in and through us he can manifest his glory for his name's sake. He has chosen you and I. Imagine that again, that the Father has chosen us from the before the time of creation, that through us he can reflect his love to this world. He reflected his love to us through his son. And the son has entrusted that role to us today. Is there anything in our lives that prevents the father from revealing his love to those who are outside? Or to those who are inside. We don't have to go outside. And if the answer is yes, I exhort you, don't live today before asking God for forgiveness. If there is something in our lives that, that brings shame, just like Adam and Eve, don't try to redeem it with your own power. And the danger for us as believers, we can try to cover it with good deeds with religion. Just like Adam and Eve, they tried to do it with their own power, yet God provided them a way, and God provides us a way also through the redeeming power of our Lord. So we ask Him for forgiveness, then we come to one another, and we say, this is what's going on in our life. We bring that which is done in the darkness into the light, and then we have nothing to be ashamed of. And I have to tell you a story. Years ago, many years ago, when I was young, younger than the one in the picture here, I decided to follow the Lord's command. Now, this is not to scare anyone who is called to be immersed, okay, Larry? I decided to follow the Lord's command and to be immersed in water. Now, it was one thing to tell my family that I became a follower of Yeshua. But to be immersed, and back then I didn't even know it by the name immersion. It was baptism. But I, I, I wanted, I really felt convicted to do that. So I went ahead and I did this, kind of secretly. Well, the next day I get a phone call from... My spiritual father, he says, uh, have, have, you heard, have you read the front page of the Daily Breeze? I said, uh, no, well, what is it? He said, well, there is a picture of you <laughs> getting out of the water. And they even wrote one of my least favorite sentences, a Jew, a Jew born in you, which I, I, I just wrestle with this old concept. And I was like, ah. But you know what God showed me through this? You can run, you can't hide. You try to do this, I'm going to do it bigger. <laughs> I'm going to do it bigger. So what is God calling us? And what are we going to do about that? I want to close with just uh, giving you a, a quick brief update about what we are doing at 
with it in Israel. As many of you know, we have our threefold vision investing in the future generation of Israel. We want to be proactive in seeing a change. And if you want to be proactive in seeing a change, if you, want to, if you are tired of the reality of congregations dying, and, and congregations are dying because naturally, in a certain age, you can't function anymore, so congregations are dying. And part of it is because we have taken a group of young people and we put them in a category of millennials and we put them in the category of millennials because, oh, they are young. We don't know what to do with them because the only way to communicate with them is through the cell phones. We're kind of giving up on them. But just back to the message. It doesn't matter what your age and how old you are, you are someone that the Father breathed life into. And He created you in order for you to have relationship with Him. And more than that, when you are young, you can make a difference because you have your entire life ahead of you. So we have this threefold vision. We have our youth group in Jerusalem. And it's amazing to see these young people continue to grow in the Lord. They're coming from about 16 or 17 different congregations. They learn unity. They learn to, to accept one another and love one another regardless of your theological background. And then when they go to the army, we have all program for them or outreach for them because many of our young Israelis, when they go to the army, they walk away from the Lord. You know why? Because they are out in the field dealing with a lot of dirty stuff. They don't feel so comfortable to come into the congregations and to see everyone smiling and praising God because what they are going through right now may prevent them from praising God. As a result, they make, make some bad choices. And, and, and when they make bad, bad choices, the way we deal with sinners is very different than what God deals with sinners, right? God embraces them and loves them. We turn our backs to them and judge them. So we saw it as a need. And what we have started to do is just to be there for them. Come and share whatever you want. Because my job is to reflect the Father's love to them. The Holy Spirit will convict them enough. I don't need to be taking the place of the Holy Spirit in their life. And then when they finished the army, for many years I came here and I told you about the scholarship program. And I want to show you a video that I believe I showed last year, but I, this video, every time I see this, I get encouraged and then I will close. Let's see this second video. Sarah Lazarus. I'm 24 years old. I was born in Germany, but I live here since I'm a year old and 10 days. Today I'm married. I live in Haifa. And me and my husband, we both study right now. I study occupational therapy, and we both start our third year. And it's not the easiest country to grow up in. You can ask my mom about how she feels about sending her children into the army. Israelis often ask me, what do you do here? You have a German passport. Why would you choose to live here? And it has to be a greater reason. But then there is, because there is God, and there is a calling. And He loves Israel, and He loves the Jewish people, so who are we not to do the same? In Israel, you can't stay lukewarm anymore. During teenage, you go through so many things, and it's often the age where you have to decide if you walk with Jesus or not. When I joined Neria, it was just a good place, a stable place in life. The youth group kind of stops when we go to the army, but it doesn't really, because behind the youth group stands Hope for Israel, and they never let you forget them, because also through the army, every few months, we get like a package full of chocolates and letters from kids who just write you that they love you. It's just like knowing you're loved because 
it's such an intense time. In Israel, when every man and woman get to the age of 18, they have to do a service. Usually it's in the army. And uh, I had some uh, medical issues, so I didn't have to do the army. When I was 12, um, they found out that I had uh, diabetes, which is not the end of the world, but um, something you have to, to like, um, acknowledge the existence of all the time. You can't just take a break and say, ah, today I don't care about my sugar. But um, I've decided that I want to be part of serving Israel because I love Israel and I feel my calling for Israel. I did my national service with, uh, in a hostel for uh, youth in risk for girls who came from really difficult backgrounds, um, talking about prostitution and drugs. They got there um, because of a court order. I was somewhere between their big sister and their mom sometimes and something like that. I was there every day for many, many hours. It was really difficult. Stories you hear and things you experience. I didn't always believe that the world can be so cruel. And God was my rock during that time. That's when he sealed the occupational therapy in me. During the first exam season, my sugar went crazy. It was high all the time. And when my sugar is not right, I'm tired, I can't concentrate. I don't sleep well. Sometimes if it's long enough, I also have joint pains and it's really hard for me, like for my muscles also. So during the exam season, because of the stress, the insulin wouldn't help anymore. I have to inject myself every day four times at least, but nothing helped. And I thought, God, how am I gonna do that? During the same time, someone from Hope for Israel approached me and told me that my scholarship was granted to me. I didn't know what to say. I like almost collapsed. I was too proud to ask God for help, for money. I was like, I can handle it myself. And he had to use a hard time to tell me you are my daughter and I'm gonna support you and I'm gonna provide for you whatever you need, even before you ask. There is a verse, I don't know how to say it in English correctly, but that really was in my heart during the time of the studies that through my weaknesses, his strength will be shown. And when there are people like Hope for Israel who are again there to pray, to support, they encourage people to live up to their potential, to live up to what God has called them to do, which includes studying, which includes going through the army, and then going and studying something which will in the future be a part of building up his kingdom here on earth. I wanna see more young people believe that they can do it, that there are people to support them to get to good, professional, high places where they can change not only the people of the land, but also get into politics and into the society in every level, because this is how we're gonna change the world. So from, from a dream, it became a reality. And this year, we have our first two people that have graduated our program and are going to go into the work field. Next year, we're going to have 20 students. So God is doing some amazing work through this scholarship. And, and our goal is to have, uh, in the next five years, 50 young Israelis who are followers of Yeshua, who believe like Sarah that this is how they're going to change the world because they are going to change the world. And within the next 10 years, our goal is to have 100 young Israelis who will be graduates of our program and that will have their own businesses and they are going to change the world. They are going to change Israel and Israel will truly fulfill its call to be a light and a blessing to the nations. I'd like to ask you to stand. I'm going to have the privilege of pronouncing a very special blessing upon you. And as we pray this blessing, the ironic blessing, I just want to encourage us that even in the ironic blessing, you see Yeshua. When it says, may he shine his face upon you, the face of the Father, 
is ישוע. יברככם אדוני וישמרכם, יאר אדוני פניו אליכם ויחונקם, יישא אדוני פניו אליכם, וישם לכם שלום. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you and guide you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, the Lord shine his face upon you, and the Lord give you the fullness of his peace, the peace of the Prince of Peace, Yeshua our Messiah. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.